I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Show. We are sat in Amity Hall uh, in, uh, in Greenwich Village, very hip area of lower Manhattan, near the East Village, near Washington Park. Sammy, it's a lovely time. I mean, this is great, isn't it? We're right in the middle of New York here. It's a lovely vibe. It's a nice day outside as well. We've had lovely weather today. And uh, we've had a couple of tremendous days of wrestling as well, haven't we? We went up to Central Park. We hung out in... Uh, we we, we uh, went and hung out on Broadway. We did the walk up to Times Square, all the touristy stuff. And then we went and hung out in a board game cafe and, and had a few beers. And now we're on... A bucket of Pacifico and we're just waiting on 16 Jumbo Hot Wings. And we're chilling in a lovely bar with some really nice staff and some beautiful people around us as well. And it's just, it's just great. New York's a great place. I'd recommend oh, yeah. it to everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was WrestleMania yesterday. Oh, yeah, it was as well, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, there's so much for us to cover off because we went to the Ring of Honor Supercard show on Saturday night. We did WrestleMania last night. And, and I mean, Sammy... It's fair to say we've had three shows this weekend and not diminishing returns as such, but the main thing is, is that all three have been great shows, which I can't say about my first Mania last year. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that we've been really spoilt this weekend for wrestling action. I mean, if you are a fan of the, the WWE or you're a fan of the alternative brands or any of the brands, you, you will have gone to that particular show of your choice and you will, for the most part, have been very, very largely entertained. And that is really a, a real marker of where the wrestling scene is at the moment and also just how great this weekend in New York has been, I think. Uh, we need to be probably closer together, Sammy. Get in, because uh, if we're going to be talking on the same microphone, then uh, uh, we've only got one mic. We're sat here attempting to record it in the, in the corner of this lovely little bar. It's looking for a dive bar, but this is nice. And we're getting a $20 bucket of beer on happy hour. Yeah, I'm having a whale of a time. This is a bit too upmarket for you, Willie. I mean, I've, I've had to take you to a good <laughs> bar. You know, I've got high standards. So I don't want to be going to some kind of little dive. So we've decided to come to a very, very nice bar. And uh, here we are. And it was uh, Mrs. Gavin's just left us, not coming to Monday Night Raw tonight. No. She's, uh, she's headed off to go and see Waitress on Broadway and then uh, be back at the Airbnb later. We, uh, we're off to Monday Night Raw, starts in about two hours' time as we're recording this. But obviously, as you will hear it on Tuesday morning, this will include our thoughts on Monday Night Raw as well. Yeah. And, and on Mania. And do you know what? Mania was overall a great show. It maybe lacked outside of Kofi and Brian those very top-tier matches we saw elsewhere. 
but the overall quality was very high. I think what WWE have realised, and I think it's one of the things, that they, they often get criticised at WrestleMania week for the show being so long, but I think that it's very difficult to get people, you know, 80,000 people as it was at MetLife, engaged for the whole sort of six, seven hour process. So to have one or two really top quality matches, which is then drip fed throughout the rest of the show, you know, there's a lot of other things that are going on. You see the Hall of Fame ceremony, you see different promos and moments across the whole of WrestleMania. It's, a, it's, not, it's not as much of a wrestling show as it is a sports entertainment spectacle, really. So therefore exactly. you can get away yeah, with having yeah. fewer outstanding matches whereas the other two shows are very much wrestling shows and hey look like one of the best moments of the whole night was Thugonomics John Cena without doubt and and getting involved in that Elias segment we all thought Cena was going to come out on Ang with Angle and and that was going to happen obviously Angle ends up putting Corbin over as uh our good friend Glenn from Brogus said uh last night you go out looking at the lights that's how you go out of wrestling and yeah Whilst a lot of people don't like the choice of Corbin, which I totally get and agree with, I think Kurt did the job, but he doesn't get the big moment, the you suck and everything without it. We'll be like the Beatles here. We went to Strawberry Fields today, it's and now we're gathered yeah, around yeah. one mic. It's lovely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think what I would say is that overall, last year in New Orleans, I felt the sags really badly and there was sags last night oh there were a couple like, yeah, no there, like there was a, a section that did go downhill a little bit but they picked it up they did well we'll talk about that finish to the main event of course um we'll get into what else we've done over the weekend we will review raw as well that's that, those are the big talking words do we want to do a like blow by blow review of the shows or should we talk about the big talking points first and then get our way into the review um, let's talk about the big talking points, I think. I think that's what's going to be on people's minds, isn't it? When they sort of tune in, they're thinking, I wonder what the, the, the opinion is on those big talking points. So let's get into the talking points, then we'll review it in a bit more detail. I'll start off with Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan. And I will start off by holding my hands up and offering out a sincere apology to Kofi Kingston in particular. Because as much as I know Kofi Kingston's a great worker, and I've seen him have phenomenal tag matches, top, top, like four and a half, five star type tag matches on a regular basis the feuds with the Usos and, and guys like that have produced some absolute gold uh, and whilst I've seen him do great in multi-man matches obviously rumble spots all of that I didn't believe in my mind that Kofi Kingston or not necessarily believe I'd just never seen it. I didn't trust that Kofi Kingston had that great 25 minute singles match false finishes builds and do you know what last night? Thank you so much. Those are our wings just arriving. Uh, <laughs> our lovely servers brought. They are huge. We have done excellent work it's there, my tremendous friend. Tremendous work with the buffalo wings, <laughs> I've got to say. There will be a photo coming out with this radio show because we've got eight. I can smell the buffalo from oh, here. I can see the Steaming buffalo sauce. wings, honestly. I, I, like, honestly, you thought I was fat before I came on this trip. This is going to just be... Uh, something else thank you so much we're getting the serviettes as well we did yeah, go to wrestlemania yes very much we had a wonderful time we're just talking about it picking out the moments are you a wrestling fan and i i watch it but i'm not like a huge fan my boyfriend's a huge fan he went dressed up as the million dollar man oh, I mean, so great he, wasn't it? tremendous tremendous it was work ridiculous. that's outstanding all about it great work. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely love that <laughs> love that well thank you so much and uh, no, we're all good. We're all good. Thank you. Uh, you know, if you didn't think we were live at a bar, if you thought we were making this up, if you thought it was just background noise, it absolutely was not. Um, I hope that's just got on the Insta story uh, immediately. Um, so I, I will say Daniel Bryan obviously more than played his part. He is unbelievable. And I am loving Daniel Bryan right now and everything he does, as people know who listen regularly. But Kofi Kingston, the way 
the first 10 or 12 or 15 minutes of that match were, were good. There was nice build, there were spots either way. The outside guys didn't get involved, and even when they did get involved, they got involved with each other and not actually with the guys in the event, which I liked. There was no kind of nonsense around them. They, they used them in a right storyline way. But there was that wonderful moment about eight minutes from the finish when, I think it was that, it might have been a lot later, but when Daniel Bryan had done the stomps, the, the, where he holds the two arms, the stomps the head. And Your favourite spot in wrestling. It, it, it really is, Savvy. It really is one of my favourite spots in wrestling. I absolutely adore it because it looks real. And the whole thing already felt like a fight. But the way that Kofi reversed that, got the opportunity, had the her arms, and you saw the, the facials, the body language, everything about it, I accept that I'm going to have to do something that would be normally out of my wheelhouse as a good guy to beat this guy, and I'm going to turn to that slightly dark side and I'm going to go after him. And it felt like a fight, it felt like a brawl. Am I, like, I still will say the one thing that is, is, is a minor, 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 and this is nitpicking to the highest degree, is I don't like Trouble in Paradise as a finisher. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I also, you know, super kicks are the, are the, new, uh, are the new clothesline. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I think, um, I mean, a, a tremendous performance from Kobe Kingston, but what Daniel Bryan does so brilliant, and I'm not sure who the agent was for this match. I'd be interested to find out who it was, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of the senior guys in WWE who was the road agent for this match. Because the, the callback for Daniel Bryan, the way that, like Will just said, with the, the stomps, how he, he did that in their in their previous match, and and and, and I think Daniel it was the moment he did the really slow build. Yes, yes, is in the corner. Yeah, yeah. As he was going for the knee, yeah. And, and he was doing a yes, and the whole eighty-two thousand people shouting no, no in unison yeah, was yeah. wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And as I say, with um, with the way that they stitched back that spot from before, uh, the match was was designed in such a way which Daniel Bryan played it perfectly as the, as the sort of the heel that thought he had it all under control, sort of strolling through the match rather dominant, dom dominating the affair and getting caught out at the end. And I think that the fact that Kofi was able to get his revenge with that, with those stomp spots into then what led into the finish. It's a great way to finish the match. It, it, it's the perfect redemption for Kofi Kingston after what happened to him previously with Daniel Bryan. It's a really, really great idea. And, and that's it, it, the, the key to great wrestling booking, really. Keep it really nice and simple, which is what they did. The pop, the reaction, everything in stadium. It was a magic moment. It was a proper mania moment. And I think what's interesting about the whole show in general is you had the three big title changes. And I'll whack Finn in there as well. I think the IC title, even though the booking going into Mania, still having him have his moment as the demon. But those three big moments, if you've gone into it saying, are we going to get Rollins, Kofi and Becky all coming out with the titles? You're like, WWE has never done that before. They've never taken and had three cathartic mania moments in one show. And they did it by pacing the show better than they have before on these longer shows. Still too long. Five and a half hours for the main show, seven still and a half long. hours total, still way too long. But by better pacing, by spreading them out, by doing it in the way they did it, great. And the show started so hot. The intro, Hogan coming out as however you feel about him, and we have I'm sh I think both mixed feelings about him after his comments. Absolutely. And, but to have Rollins go over Lesnar in just two and a half minutes officially, he obviously had the pre-game shenanigans, they protect Lesnar with the low blow, which I get why they've done that. 
And Seth still is the architect, is the guy who he's clearly working from under. He had to resort to something, not the strongest bit of character, but it, it did work in terms of the storyline. And that's, you know, for me, what it's all about. But having the three stomps, having him win, having him go over in such a short time, it got the crowd hot. It got the big moment. He whirled it around his head. It was brilliant. And it really left us with, just with Heyman, I just, I loved everything about it. And it was a surprise the way they did it. And that all works for me brilliantly. It was a brilliantly hot start to the show because what they did was by getting Alexa out to then introduce Hogan, crowd was then at fever pitch before Heyman then came out and said, we're going to, we're not messing about with this. We're going to get on with the show. We've got business to be doing elsewhere. We're not going to be in the main event. We just want to get cracking with it. And then for Seth to go over in the way that he did, Brock put him over clean, fair play to him. It was a... I really, I don't think, actually, I know, I know Will, you and I have talked about this before, that really you want the Royal Rumble winners and all the rest of it to be in the main event. You don't necessarily want title matches or, you know, world title matches on first. But actually, in this context, I felt it worked really, really well to give that hot start to the show that you needed. And the strength of the, what it makes a Rumble winner look like. And Seth having the Universe title now can be on TV. Something we've speculated about tonight after our conversation with uh, Bobby Roode the other day. No, Bobby Roode. Sorry. I don't know why I was thinking about Bobby Roderick Strong. I think that I wouldn't be that surprised that even though we've already got the Ricochet and Aster Black call-ups, Undisputed Era coming up in these next two days after the main event of TakeOver feels right to me. And what feels right to me is Adam Cole, Seth Rollins. Let's go straight into it. I know there are other guys who deserve a shot, and I think it'll come. I do. And then there are guys who have been working on Raw already. But that idea of that undisputed era, well, we'll know by the end of tonight. Maybe I'm being stupid, but by the time you're hearing this, you're either going to go, wow, Will's a savant, or my God, Will's an idiot. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I mean, in fantasy booking land, it makes a lot of sense because Seth, I mean, Seth can get a good match out of anybody. Seth is an absolutely fantastic, and we think you talked about him last night, is the, um, the next Shawn Michaels. I think there's no doubt about that now. Seth Rollins can have a decent title run with that. Absolutely anybody, whoever they feel like pushing. But it would be really great to see him having a real tactical, technical masterclass of a program for a few months with somebody like Adam Cole, who you could say... He's only 29. 29, who's obviously put such great work in NXT, knows you can have great matches with him. Seth could elevate him in terms of his profile to the next level. I think that's fair to say as well. I'd love to see that personally. So the women's main event, and this is obviously... The, the most controversial and hottest point. So I'll just tell you what we know from chatting to people in and around the venue, from talking to a few people with a bit of inside knowledge, from talking to other journalists who have far more contacts than we do. That wasn't meant to be the finish from what we understand. No, I think that's, I think that's clear from this and, point. And yeah, I think the referee's positioning was terrible. He had to take some blame. I think Ronda, I mean, even though she got her shoulders off and then you can blame the referee, her, the, not getting the roll through right and then being in a position where she could kick out, that was a problem. We still got the moment. We still got Becky winning. At least we got the right result. But from what we understand, Becky was meant to go over Charlotte with a, with a submission. The match itself... I, mean, I know you have strong feelings about the fact that it was a triple threat and how that worked, Sammy. I do. I, I personally feel like... Um triple threats and we had this conversation with a couple of uh, people better, better, in, with better knowledge about the insides of the workings of the business than me but I think triple threats are too difficult to book in terms of getting each person involved in the match to tell the story in the right way to have as much involvement in the match as they'd like to have the the highs and the lows that you'd get from a one-on-one -on -one contest now I wasn't against the triple threat before it started I thought it was a good idea I think the three women involved are all terrifically high profile I think they're great in terms of the um, their standing within the women's 
scene and within the business in general at the moment. But when you look at it now and you look at how the match was match built and how Becky kind of didn't really feature as prominently as somebody winning a title might want to, I think. I think a one-on-one -on -one contest between one and the other, probably Becky and Ronda at this point, would have maybe made a bit more sense than a three-way. And if we're going to assume that that wasn't the finish and that it was meant to be Charlotte that she goes over, I think that would have come. I think having Becky, like the table spot didn't really work for me. I didn't think it was a bad match. Like it was a good three, maybe three and a half star match. Like I, I do think that if you want to look at who was involved though, the false finishes just weren't there. A triple threat, you want legitimate feeling false finishes where someone's breaking up. But there were even moments where someone had a, a two count. There was one point where Charlotte had a two count on Becky and Ronda was in distance to break it up and didn't break it up. And I yes. thought that showed that the match just hadn't been booked right. And they are all submission experts, which also makes for a problem. Submission spots work best in a one-on-one -on -one situation where it's just, can that person overcome the situation they've been put in? Can the baby face get to the ropes? Can the heel do whatever they need to scratch and claw and do whatever they have to to make sure that they don't go out in that situation? And you didn't have that. You had false, you had pin breakups, but they were actually submission breakups. And that takes away from some of the drama of that moment. Add to that the finish. I think if we had a strong finish, if, if that had been a kick out and then we'd had a strong finish all through and involved, Becky going over, three or four really hot minutes at the end, like you'd have at the end of like a really well-booked tag match. Then and actually, Becky looks strong as well in those yeah, last few minutes. Yeah, I think that would have, we would have all gone great. Doesn't matter that the, there was a rough 10 minute patch in there, fine. We loved it, we enjoyed it. Yeah. I do think it deflated the crowd a little bit at the end from what was otherwise a great show, but still, Becky holding the title. And again, you're gonna know whether I'm stupid or not tonight, but what I would do if I was booking Raw tonight, Becky opens the show, Charlotte comes out, she says, I never lost my title, I never got pinned, I never submitted, I want a rematch, main event, Monday Night Raw, Becky, Charlotte, one-on-one, -on -one, 20 minutes, Becky wins clean, great match, and suddenly, we don't forget about the end of Mania, but we feel a lot better about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um the the finish the problem with the finish was that the match was building to the point whereby the fans were really getting behind it again and we found that through that throughout wrestlemania that it took quite a lot i mean kofi and daniel daniel bryan particularly is an absolute i mean he might be the best in the world if not he's certainly the best in the wwe at managing to bring a crowd down when he wants them to be down and pick them back up again when he wants them to be picked back up again at that particular point in the match and we were just getting to that point with the women's match and that's why that rather anticlimactic finish which very clearly wasn't supposed to be the finish or it didn't appear to be very clearly the finish I think that's why it felt a little bit like well actually it's great that Becky's gone over but it just left a little bit of a sour taste I think they do need to do something tonight to rectify that ideally I've got a suggestion because we've got to get over to the Barclays Centre soonish. We know how we felt about the rest of the card and we will talk about it. But that's kind of covered off the big talking points. And Raw is going to just kick up more big talking points. We've still got to talk about what we did on Saturday, etc. Shall we just, just to say, if you haven't watched it yet and you're just listening to our reactions, the matches you have to see, the four-way tag match for the, for the SmackDown Championship, which I think could have been a top-tier great match given another five minutes or so. Yeah. But Everyone worked their asses off. Great spots. Ricochet and Alistair looked really strong. The bar looked great. I mean, who knew that we wanted Cesaro Ricochet in a one-on-one? -on -one? 
but we all want it now. We absolutely do, and I mean Cesaro. Every, I mean, every time we see Cesaro, we want more. We want more of him in a singles capacity, don't we? But um, certainly, Cesaro and Ricochet really tore it up last night. Fantastic. Um, and there's so much else in the show to talk about. So I think we'll do a bigger, longer breakdown maybe later, maybe after or maybe tomorrow. Maybe we just put this out as is. And like later in the week, we do another podcast, which is a bit more considered. But we've kind of covered off the big talking points. Let's just quickly talk about Saturday as a whole. I mean, Sunday for Mania, by the way, massive thanks again to Joe Roderick. A brilliant time that we had with those guys and a brilliant tailgate that we had with the guys from behind the ropes. Um, it was, uh, you know, Sammy's first experience of tailgating he's never been to an NFL game out in the States before you had a great time oh it's absolutely fantastic and I mean the atmosphere and just the, 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 the feel around the, the stadium outside the stadium everybody was in great spirits a lot of people dressed up as we heard that one of our uh, team here had a, had a partner dressed up as a million dollar man we saw someone dressed as Samoa Joe didn't we before we went in oh fantastic. the best Samoa Joe cosplay anyone's I thought it was Samoa Joe you did you had a double take didn't you a couple of times oh, 100%. Um, the, the tailgate was great and it really led to a I think everyone was really in a great, just in a great mood, wanting to enjoy the show last night. And it really, really, I think, it paid off in the end. Yeah, overall, positive. I think mostly the right title changes. Not so keen on Buddy Murphy, but I think every other title change I was quite happy with. Uh, like, I, nothing really put me off. Nothing, there was nothing I hated outside of. Okay, let's talk about the one match I hated. Trips Batista. Triple H is a man that I respect hugely for what he does for the business. And I like, personally, from the interactions we've had with him, I think he seems like a very genuine person. If Triple H is going to appear on big shows, what you need is Triple H appearing on big shows for 10 minutes maximum. Let's do the spot that they had. Let's have that horrendous ripping out the nose thing. Let's have the horrendous stuff with the pliers, with the, like attempting to break the fingers. Let's have all of that. But then let's take it from there, do a sprint, get it over and done with. I said to John Astley, John fell asleep during the women's tag match, which is fair enough, it was like 3 a.m. And he said, what should I watch? And I said, skip trips with teacher. Actually don't, watch the brilliant entrances. Yeah and then watch the first five minutes yeah. and then watch the finish. Yeah, and I totally agree. And the thing is, the problem with Triple H is that I think, and we've had this conversation before, Will, is that uh, he, he books himself in a different way to how he sees the rest of his, the, the, his, his, his work, which is, you know, the way that he brilliantly books NXT. He's got such a good vision for how he sees his young talent, how he wants his wrestling company to look. But when he puts himself first, unfortunately, I think he feels like, I mean, obviously, he's had a certain prominence because of who he is, but he, he gives himself probably too much time gives itself a bit too much importance in terms of the context of the show in fact the pace of the match was so much slower than everything else the only other matches that went over 20 minutes were Kofi and Brian yeah and the women's triple threat yeah well there we go that tells you all you need to know doesn't it I believe it was a 21 minute match between 24 was it between Triple H and Batista and I mean that 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 is really too long Batista clearly not in ring condition he's been out of the ring for a long time put up a great effort don't get me wrong but not in a position to be having a 20-minute match, and they have to try and cover those deficiencies by putting those rather crazy spots in. But I think now is the time, really, for Triple H to take a step back and either be putting people over, younger talent over, for a reason, the way that Vince used to do when he was featuring at Mania, or he needs to be off the card altogether and focusing on his business ventures. It's just it's not worth having that kind of level of match just for the sake of it, because it just really takes it out of the crowd. That was the only thing I was massively negative on. I, like The women's tag was a bit sloppy and, and not actually great, but... The fact is, is that I like the Iconics winning. You know I love that. So that's fine. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Saturday, though. So Saturday morning, me and Sammy, we did the Staten Island Ferry. That was nice. Oh, it was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, we had a lovely time. And then we headed over to meet uh, a, a, a business associate. 
and go for some drinks at a hotel. He just told us the hotel name, he told us where to meet him. We sat down, we had a beer, and then uh, well, we had a rum, and then another rum, and then another rum. And then another rum. And then another rum. And these rums, by the way, were probably quadruples in a small glass. Um, but I realised as we sat down, or Sam realised, looking to my left, that sat three seats away from me was Roman Reigns. And sat directly next to me about 15 minutes later when she came down to have some dinner with Roman was Sasha Banks. And then in the far corner was WWE Hall of Famer Sting. And then following down about 20 minutes later was WWE Hall of Famer Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who, by the way, what a hero, came down to the bar, bought himself a beer, went back to his room to get ready for the Hall of Fame. I mean... Didn't order room service, just came and got it from the bar himself, paid for it in cash, went back up there. What a guy. Unbeknownst to us, they were all getting ready for the WWE Hall of Fame, which was that night, but they were all getting into their glad rags to sort of prepare to go, go off, head off, weren't they? So they were all in there, milling around, just around us. It was quite a remarkable scene. We obviously didn't interact with them. We were, you know, I know we're media, but we were in that situation where we didn't want to be, like, pushing ourselves on people. Similar to Sunday, like, on Sunday in the press box, a lot like the NXT UK guys were there. And, and the ones we'd known, we've met before, like Travis Banks, Trent, guys we've had on the show. We had a quick chat, too. We had a quick, like, five minutes here and there. Asked them how access went, asked them if they're having a good time. But, you know, you don't want to impinge on it. You know that there is a kind of relationship there where there is a media... Even if you're friendly with people, you don't want to be like, you know, you don't want them to not be having a good time because you're the one coming and talking to them. No, and we weren't in that context anyway, were we? We were out socially with um, yeah. a couple of other colleagues, so it wasn't really the right time to sort of accost them. But we did, we did manage to have a nice little chat with people like Abyss and people who we were familiar with. Abyss was absolutely lovely, and Abyss told me, I'm amazed. So Abyss, Abyss has come in as, a, as a, a road agent, that's the role he's taken on. And he actually road agent two matches last night, including that brilliant four-way tag match for Absolutely. the men's, which he told us about. He was lovely. We chatted to Blade Hart, who we met when Brett came over last time. That was obviously ahead of the madness at the Hall of Fame that was Brett Hart being tackled through the crowd. That we weren't at the Hall of Fame, so it's not fair for us to comment on that particularly. But everyone we know that was there, all the other journalists we've talked to, have talked about the scenes. You know, all we can say is we're glad Brett is fine. We're glad that the idiot got dealt with. That's really it. That's but all that can be said about that, isn't it, really? I mean, uh, 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 Bret Hart just seems to... He has sort of disaster following him around wherever he goes. But luckily, he was fine and um, got a great reception when he appeared on the stage to support Natalia as well during WrestleMania. So that was nice. We got absolutely smashed anyway in this bar. Chatted to a few wrestlers who we knew, caught up with them, hung out with our business associate... And then uh, we drunk walked across the Brooklyn Bridge to try and sober up a bit before heading to G1 Supercard. G1 Supercard, but again, we'll put him over a second time. Joe Roderick, he, if you, you recognise the name, if, you, if it catches your ear, he does a podcast. What's the podcast called, Sammy? It's the What A Rush podcast with Road Warrior Animal. So he does a podcast with WWE Hall of Famer Road Warrior Animal. It's a great show. You should go and listen to it. But we, um, Joe, we went to the media area. I just area. say, this week they've done a really great interview with Jay Lethal, so that'll be worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, actually, and Jay Lethal's really good value. So we got there, we went to the media seats, we watched Will Ospreay against Jeff Cobb. How did you feel about seeing Will Ospreay live for the first time? Oh, it's absolutely, what, a, what an absolute treat. Honestly, what an absolute treat and a terrific way to start the show. Um, Jeff Cobb, big guy, moves around really, really well. Excellently booked match, and, uh, and as I say, a pleasure to see someone as smooth and as um, technically pr proficient as Will Ospreay. It was a real fantastic thing to experience firsthand. 
So we had a great time there. And then Joe texts us and says, oh, we didn't know why Joe hadn't come back to the seats. He popped off the toilet. He just texts us saying, go to the... We're in Madison Square Garden, the most famous sporting venue in the world. So they tell us every time we score, walk around one corner. God, he's everywhere telling you that. So we headed up to the next floor where Joe had told us to go, headed around to Suites 24, where Joe was sat in an empty suite with his friend Michelle, old Michelle Two Tacos. I'll never explain it. Um, <laughs> Shelly! Um, and uh, he was just like, yeah, this suite was empty, we flagged it. We invited the What Culture guys up, so we sat with Phil, with Mike, with Simon Miller from What Culture. Great guy. You and Simon Miller, you you hit it off big time. Oh, I love Simon Miller. He's a tremendous, he's a great lad. He's a great lad, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's trained to be a wrestler as well. So he's obviously been taking a few oh, bumps. We've, we've and, uh, had Simon on the show before. But. Oh yeah, sorry, no, I know that oh, your listeners are very well aware of uh, of Simon Miller, <laughs> but um, he was explaining to me how difficult it is to take certain bumps because I said to him, I'd love to take a spine buster. That sounds like a great fun. He said, Believe me, it isn't. It's absolutely horrendous. And uh, we were getting into the, some of the fineries about um, a bump taking in, in wrestling. So that was great fun. So I'll just say, Sam didn't pad long enough there for me to finish the hot wing that I stuffed in my mouth. Hold on one moment. Sorry about that. Enjoy the ambience. Sam, fill the time somehow. Well, I'll tell you what I can say is that the uh, G1 Supercard was a, a real absolute treat for me. Um, somebody who has loosely followed New Japan for a number of years and obviously is very well aware of Ring of Honor and in terms of um, how well regarded Ring of Honor is but never having taken in a show live and it was a it was a brilliant show and it really showcased the best of the talent that we've got independently in the in the US as well as the talent that's in Japan and I think you were particularly surprised Will with how many with the fact that they that New Japan had, had granted a couple of title changes in an American environment hugely now I will say I disagree with Sammy on one thing there there wasn't a Ring of Honor match, a single one on the card, which, uh, which, <coughs> sorry, we're just getting checked that we want more drinks. He's, Obama Matt has come over and just given us a little thumbs up to He's check we're okay. But in truly professional standards, he didn't come and talk to us. However, we mentioned it and so we ruined the whole thing for him. Uh, what I will say, I thought the Ring of Honor stuff, there wasn't one Ring of Honor match that really, I, I really went over with me. Obviously the Will Ospreay, but the, the joint matches, the four-way tag match was a little overbooked and, and Enzo and Cass, definitely a work, by the way. That's as much as I'm going to say about it because I don't want to talk about it anymore. But I am going to say that I thought their stuff was overbooked. The ladder match, I was excited about seeing Mark. I haven't seen Marty Skrull live pretty much since he was working regularly in the UK Indies. And so I was excited to see a guy I'm a huge fan of back working. And that match just felt painfully overbooked. The spots were so set up in advance obvious the match ran long there weren't any real surprises apart from the fact that Taven won which actually I thought was a good title change I just thought they tried too hard like with the women's match earlier they tried too hard to make a big deal out of it I did think like the street fight had some good some good moments and actually like from a personal thing seeing Mark Haskins in a ring of honor ring doing his thing I loved seeing as a like a big UK indie mark but but for the most part, way too many um, run-ins, way too many gimmicks in terms of weaponry, way too many sort of uh, really convoluted and over-set-up spots, I think, in the, in the American matches. And it didn't need it because there was some great, great talent in those rings, weren't there? 100%. 100%. But what I will say is the top three matches on the New Japan side of the card... Were absolutely mag magnificent, yeah. So, huge love to... Um, 
Jay White and Akada, which was a good match. The Jay White sold really well in that Akada. The story they've told of Akada coming back from the depths of coming back from losing to Omega, what, 14 months ago now, and they don't do a rematch clause. He had to fight and claw and scratch his way back. For New Japan, it's the right booking because having Akada go over means that, you know, they've got a true superstar back at the top. Even though I think they see Jay White as the guy to carry the Bullet Club forward and they do see him as a superstar, to have someone like Akada back on top is good for the company. It's best for business, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. But still amazed to see Akada win the title in America. That was awesome. I thought Zack Sabre Jr. was a brilliant match as well. Tanahashi getting to see the ace live. I was a little bit choked up when he came out. I actually had a little moment to myself of like, wow, that is the ace in Madison Square Garden going up against again a guy from England who he briefly met on the Friday and shook his hand. And that was amazing. But the match of the night and rivaling Gargano against Cole for match of the weekend for me was Kota Ibushi against Naito. To give Kota Ibushi, who is the real new superstar, like Akada, if, if you want to think of it in WWE terms, Tanahashi is, maybe Undertaker is a little harsh, but like a little too, but maybe the John Cena of that scene. And Akada, in terms of how, he's, he's super over, so you can't really compare him to maybe a Reigns, but he's a guy who's had multiple title reigns, who's had multiple, who is a, a guy who is really over with the fans, but a seasoned pro. Well, in which case, Ibushi is, he's Adam Cole. Ibushi is Johnny Gargano. Ibushi is maybe even like a, a lower end of the, of the raw card, but a guy you really love. Like, and to see Ibushi win gold for the first time in New Japan. Like yeah, oh, perfect, yeah. perfect. To see Ibushi win gold for the first time with Kenny Omega no longer in the company, carrying him in, a, in exclamation marks, with, against Naito, is such a wonderful performer in a match that built in a hot crowd. That, I mean, I was full chub, five star, all the way. If you, if you watch two matches from, watch three matches from Mania this weekend, one from each card. I agree with that. You watch Gargano Cole, you watch Ibushi Naito, and you watch Kofi and Daniel Bryan. And if you're a wrestling fan from whatever generation, I really do believe that you can't fail to be entertained by all three of those matches. Even if you have no um, great understanding of the angle involved, no great necessarily knowledge of the talent. If you're just coming in off the street and think to yourself, right, I fancy picking up wrestling again. Those three matches will not disappoint you in, in every way showing off the best of each individual promotion. I thought it, they were absolutely true. And that match at the end was absolutely fantastic. And actually, you know what? As well as that, on top of that, I would say that when, if you're trying to, if you want to get somebody into wrestling, there's so much great stuff going on this weekend. There's so much cool things happening in Mania. Whether, whatever kind of wrestling fan you are, there is something here for you. But if you want to get somebody interesting and they're genuinely open-minded to it, they're willing to sit down for maybe an hour and a half of their life, show them those three matches, and I think they will at least appreciate the art form by the end of it. Even if they decide it's not for them, they'll at least realize that it is an art, that when done well, it can transcend. And when done well, as it was in those three matches we mentioned, it can be mind-blowing. Don't get me wrong, we're, we're fully aware of, of how wrestling is perceived by a lot of people and how 
there are times when you have to really you have to really convince yourself that you know you're trying to see the positive in things but when wrestling is done well there is virtually no finer art form it's that it's all it's all that it's the it's the 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 five star matches it's the the real top talent that really makes you it's sort of the it's it's the reason you have become a wrestling fan basically Right, we were, we're heading off to Monday Night Raw now. It's about 7 p.m., so it kicks off in an hour. But we will uh, be back in, in your time, about four seconds. Well, there'll be a little ad break here, basically. That little, if we've got ads on this show, it'll go da 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 and then give you an ad break. And if it doesn't, it'll just make that noise, and then it'll be us back again, talking about Monday Night Raw, the impact of that, and maybe covering a few more Mania matches. But as always, thank you for listening. You're listening to The Pro Wrestling Show, our Raw review coming up next. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back. Uh, you've just been in an advert break, but uh, we have been, uh, it's about 12 hours later, right? I oh, know it's even more than that. We, uh, we, had to, we finished off those wings. I finished off those wings like an absolute animal, Sammy. I mean, I'm not going to try and legislate for that kind of behaviour. It was an absolute disgrace, but at least you had them. But the fact is that we had to do it because we were in a rush, because we literally made it into Raw. It, was, it wasn't quite as bad as NXT when we arrived halfway through the final entrance for the opening match. But we, as we walked into Raw, the announcer went, 
Raw will go live in 30 seconds as we're running up the stairs to our seats. So we were cutting it fine. We cut it extremely fine, but we were sat down just in the nick of time for them to go live. So that's the main thing. We got there just in time. They were obviously waiting for us. That's that's what I'm going to suggest happened. Uh, as always, Monday Night Raw, it was a great raucous crowd, at least for the start of the show. Really, really hot. And, and uh, do you know what? I thought it was a good, not great edition of Raw After Mania. People will take a lot of bias from what happened at the end and the frustration with what happened at the end for looking at what actually was a Raw that was a better quality than a normal week of Raw. The overall wrestling was quite good throughout, featured the right people. Yeah, I, I, there were none of the segments I had a particular problem with until the very end, really. I think the pacing was good, and usually that's something you can't be said about Raw. Usually you feel like it drags relentlessly in the middle, or it can do. There's also times when promos go on too long, or even matches sometimes can feel like they go on too long. But I felt like the timing was actually spot on for this particular episode. And when we were, even though there were quite a lot of times where it was obvious we were in commercial breaks, at least it didn't feel too much like it was just dragging constantly. We were constantly waiting for a break to end because there was uh, stuff coming up on the screen for the people in the audience, and there was sort of promos, and you could see action from what happened previously in the night, and even WrestleMania clips and things. So there were things going on while that was happening. But I agree. Well, I think, <laughs> and let's not forget the two kids who had a competition oh, yeah. to see who could name the most wrestlers based on their nicknames, who were both incredible at it. Yeah, they're both outstanding. One one kid got to ten um, is it within. A minute, isn't it? You have 30 to name, seconds. Oh, 30 seconds. You have to name name the wrestler by their nickname as, as, as fast time as possible. And one kid got to 10 and we thought that's going to take some beating. And the next kid beaten by one got to 11. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I was really impressed. Very, very, like, honestly, I think overall for Raw, my, my kind of impression was that it didn't have the same pop that you normally get with the Raw after Mania because the surprises weren't all that surprising. And actually, when it comes to the main event swerve. So, I mean, they came out, Seth Rollins came out really hot crowd. Kofi comes out, really hot crowd. They they announce or decide, or Kofi pushes for and Seth accepts a champion v. champion match, which I would have been happy as, as a main event without anything on the line, just as a way yeah. of celebrating their respective achievements from the night before. But they said, let's put them both on the line. Let's do what the women did last night. Let's unify the belts. So we all went for the work immediately. We popped for it. We went, yeah, the brand split is dead then. Except that for the next two and a half hours, as they were building to that match, we got advert after advert for the fact that the Superstar Shake-Up was happening mm -hmm. the following week and for the fact that Kofi was having a championship celebration tomorrow night on SmackDown. Now, they wouldn't be pushing those angles so hard if there was a genuine possibility that he wasn't going to be the champion by the next day or that the brand split was really going to die. I, I don't really understand the need to call it a unification bout. I think that was a little bit misleading, to be honest. I think they could have just said, Let's, let's see who the better man is between the two of us. You know, we're both the champions, but who's the, who's the, one, the better one on their brand? And at least it would have felt like it linked more in with the storyline angle as, as it was. It was a little bit misleading, wasn't it, to the live crowd to suggest that the titles were going to be unified that night, which would have been a, an amazing thing for it to, to have happened the night after Raw, really kind of shaking things up. But instead, it was a more traditional sort of feel to the storyline. It was, and it was just, let's throw generic heel team, and I'm not putting the bar down at all, Seamus and Cesaro. No, you're right. A brilliant tag team. But let's just throw generic heel team into the mix with no storyline reasoning for it, with no build for it, with no actual justification for why those are the two people there. Like a lot of people thought, maybe Undisputed Era or someone are going to turn up. We're going to get, a, a, a well, a second call-up, really a first call-up. I know that they've already done Ricochet and Alistair Black coming up, which makes any other call-ups difficult on the NXT roster, but to have nobody else called up, to only have the Lars Sullivan segments and obviously Sami Zayn, and we'll get to both of those, 
But just to have, like Seamus and Zara, it could have literally been anyone and it had no storyline relevance at all, at least put into people who for some reason would have a beef with these two people, right? I totally agree. Or otherwise, have somebody who feels like they're justified and due a title shot and say, well, hold on a minute, I, I need to get involved in this mix. And if it, even if it's one half of a tag team, have their partner advocating for them and saying, no, it's just time to go into the spotlight. Whereas instead of just having some generic in team that, that interrupts the main event for seemingly very little reason other, other than just a you know, just to cause the breakup of the main event, basically. It seemed a little bit sort of um, short-sighted in some ways. Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Simple as that. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. And yeah. I know that I have previously complained about SmackDown stars on Raw and Raw stars on SmackDown. If this is something that they stop doing after the shake-up, then it's fine to do it for this two days because it's Mania weekend, it feels special. Just, it would have made... been great, by the way. Daniel Bryan and Rowan would have been great. Just because, you know, so they'll try and put a bullet point on the on the angle. It would have been people who were involved in the storyline. would have made a lot more sort of storyline sense. So I think something like that would have worked to treat. So I don't have any problem with the crowd turning, the beach balls coming out, the AEW chance for that particular one. Um, let's just talk about the other kind of surprises from the night. You got to see Undertaker. Now, I have to say, um, we've I think we've talked about this before on this show, and I think a lot of people are feeling like the Undertaker thing has kind of, you know, <laughs> died a death, pardon the pun, um, in terms of, you know, his involvement in the business still, his involvement in WWE matches, why he sort of occasionally appears. But it was absolutely, I think, last night, it was the perfect time to use The Undertaker, the perfect way to use The Undertaker. Get him out there for a few seconds. Oh, wham, bam, thank you, man. Does a, co- a couple of his big spots, puts the lights on the canvas, and then leaves. And that's that was great. Met, met a chance that I got to see Undertaker live for the first time ever in sort of 25, 25 years plus of being a, a follower, a fan. And uh, and he just, and I say, coming out there and doing that, being the second legend in a couple of days to kind of do something to Elias, I think was a was a really good uh, little niche little idea. I um I was a particularly like I love the idea that after we got last after we got on Sunday night uh, the return of of Thugonomics Cena that this is now going to be the Elias bit for a while. Let's have Flair figure four leg lock him next week. Let's have Shawn Michaels give him a sweet chin music. Let's have Brett Sharpshoot him. Let's have Foley Socko him. Let's have him get a stinger splash and a stunner. And just just literally, let's make Elias take legendary falls for the next, you know, for the next two months until we've got something proper to do with him. I mean, that could be really fun because what it could end up doing is it could lead to an angle whereby Elias actually just turns really kind of sour and ends up kind of absolutely decimating a legend. Even someone like, I don't know, the Big Show or someone, someone who's sort of still relatively active or at least sort of, you know, not... Ray wants his back from injury. Yeah, something like that, where he sort of thinks, I've had enough of this, and he sort of turns it... and can turn it into a really interesting angle that has involved the legends because it does keep Elias relevant at a time when it has to say, well, sometimes when he comes out, it feels like things do. If, he's got he's got a lot of following when he comes out. There's no doubt that when they hear the strains of his guitar chord, that he gets a big pop. But it does feel like the segments sort of they do sort of um, quite quite quickly sort of fade gradually, um, quite quickly sort of fade. You know, in terms of the, uh, the the excitement and the popularity of them, and they feel a little bit flat after a few minutes. So I think by doing that and and not knowing when to expect it in terms of a, like a legend running, I think could be quite a good way to use him. Baron Corman came out, really good heat on him. And, and I think that as much as people hated the Corbin choice for him going out, being the one to go over angle, like we were saying yesterday, you know, you go out looking at the lights, that's the wrestling tradition. You wouldn't have got the angle goodbye. I actually personally wasn't a huge fan of angle coming out again last night mm. as like a, right, you've done your farewell. Why are you coming out again to kind of do the farewell again? But given the angle slam to Corbin, it got a nice pop from the crowd and it, then gave him an opportunity to put over a different young talent coming in. Lars Sullivan is a guy who I I get that he's a Vince monster, big guy. 
And I get he's had a couple of decent matches in NXT, but he's not somebody I'm excited about seeing particularly. And I actually, I think the crowd were the same. They booed him because he went after Angle, but didn't get the, anywhere near the level of heat they were hoping for. Not at all. And um, I, I think that maybe, it's like you say, well, maybe he's not one of the ones that's, you know, been teetering around the edges of, of being called up to the main roster from NXT for some time. And he's just one of these major super heavyweights that, that Vince really, really likes and trusts. But um, it didn't really do that much for me, I have to say. Uh, and then Sami Zayn was the other surprise of the night. Although, again, I was slightly annoyed that we didn't just get his music hit, that we got a little shot of him backstage approaching the ring and then they went to an ad break and then we got his music hit and you just thought, well, why not give us just the actual pop? Why not have rather than him come out? I mean, I know it's, I like when they do things differently. So have him come out and then Finn come out and challenge him is fine rather than the other way around. So I'll, I'll rescind that before I even say it, but why not just get the initial pop and him and Finn, I mean, it was a good match. Yeah, the idea that you can't have a great match with 10 or 11 minutes, like at least a four-star match, is wrong. It was only probably like three-star match, but it was good. It was good to see two talents I really like, and they both worked really hard. But what I really loved was, I was glad no one was one and done last night. I was glad that the that, uh, that Zach and Heath kept their titles. I was glad that everyone involved in the main event did keep their titles, even though I didn't like the finish. I was glad Finn kept his title, and but I really liked... Sammy then being like, this is why I didn't come back. I hate you people. Yeah. Like I, the whole thing was great. It was great. And I was, I was, as my match was going on, I said, oh, this is not going to look good on Sami Zayn if he has the job immediately on his first match back. And Will's making the point that actually if, if uh, Finn Balor had lost his title the day after winning it, it wouldn't look good on him either. And they did it. The, the, the story was, was perfectly written in terms of Sami Zayn loses the match on his, on his comeback and then cuts a fantastic heel promo and, and moves his character on in that direction. So that works perfectly well. Why was there a pterodactyl puppet coming out of a box on a promo? Oh, I didn't really get what that was all about. Was that on a promo? Was that not like a, was that not like a commercial? Yeah, but people are suggesting it's a, a, a build for a Bray Wyatt return or something, but it's just weird. It looks like something out of that show Dinosaurs. Do you know, I remember like, uh, the, what was the, with the little baby one? Not oh, the mama, yeah. not the mama, that show. Oh, it looks like a character from that. Oh, I think yeah. it's just called Dinosaurs. Is it? Well, I mean, that's... Uh, that's, that's Mrs. That's... Gavin is on the other side of the room nodding in agreement. Right, well, um, yes, it is very much like that. It certainly doesn't look like anything to do with the wrestling angle. But you know what? These things, sometimes the uh, the depths that the storylines story sometimes go into, you never quite know where, uh, where it's going to lead. But I don't think that in this case that was to do with an angle. Now, I'm really torn on how I feel about the Becky Lynch stuff last night. The way it feels like they've gone with it is let's just sweep the main event botch under the carpet not mention it, not even have Rousey or Charlotte on the show at all. But she came out and she was great. I mean, actually, it's the best I've heard Becky talking-wise since probably the, the previous pay-per-view, the pay-per-view where she beat Charlotte, because the three or four weeks up until Mania, it kind of got to a point where it was a little stale with the three of them because the build had been going on for so long. And she came out and she was she was personally fantastic and I, I i was a big fan of it i just don't understand i mean maybe lacey evans if she just destroyed it it could have just been a here's her destroying lacey evans but it feels like that's going to be an ongoing angle i just think there's so many other women that they need to have her involved with particularly considering the finish of mania before we get to that now i had heard that lacey evans was going to be given this push because obviously she's been seen on tv a lot not doing very much admittedly but she's been seen virtually i think every pay-per-view and, and on weekly TV for a long time so it looked like it was going to happen but 
You're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much more to be said about that main event in terms of storyline. Um, either of the two women could just have justification, particularly on the fact that they seem now to have covered over the fact that the, the finish was botched. I don't know whether it's ever going to get mentioned again, but that could have been used in story, for storyline reasons. We don't know that for sure yet because it sounds like Ronda Rousey may have picked up an injury anyway, so might be a reason she wasn't on the show. But the talk is that she's still a member of the company and hasn't left as far as we understand it. So I think it's, it would be a real shame if Becky just moves on and sort of no word is spoken about that feud because there's still so much mileage in both of those two women, either one-on-one or, you know, another different context, maybe at some point down the line. Um, the angle itself actually did come off well. The yeah, crowd it, loved her. Lacey Evans was good. The, the, uh, the brawl was good. It, it, it just, I don't know how they're going to take it forward. That's kind of my concern from a storytelling perspective. Um, other than that, we talked briefly about the tag title. Ricochet asked the black over Bobby Roode and Chad Gable just kind of was. It was a decent match, but it was kind of filling time on TV. Nice to see Alexa Bliss back in the WWE ring. I'm not sure she needed to squash Bailey to come back into a WWE ring when you've got the Dana Brooks and Lana's of this world. She could have been doing it over, but I get it. Bring her back to the ring for the first time in a while and have her beat a recent champ and, and you make her look strong. Yeah, I agree. I again felt bad for Bailey because she doesn't um she isn't one of the women that you you know that, that needs to be sort of uh squashed or, or have her sort of career on hold at this stage. But but um it was great to see Alexa Bliss come back and really pick up a decisive win. And I think that's gonna that, that looks good for her because she can build back to being involved in probably a title picture at some point in the very near future. And then we had um, uh, Dean Ambrose and, and Bobby Lashley with the Dean Ambrose final match in uh, uh, Dean Ambrose final match in a WWE ring, which was uh, you know to advertise that you're going to be doing that in itself. I thought was kind of kind of fascinating. Um, you put that in air quotes, though. Will do you not believe that it is his final match in, in well, WWE? The problem is that I think a lot of people didn't think it would be. The reason I did it in air quotes is because they never actually had a match. Yeah. Because yeah, we yeah, just yeah. got a, a Lashley putting Ambrose to a table spot, having said about, I'll look after your wife for you, which... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> nice <laughs> so, little heel moment. Yeah, very nice, very nice. And, and do you know what? Like, it's so weird that they've only been half-referencing the fact that they're husband and wife for about the last six months. And then for someone to just come out and say it, and then for have to have Ambrose go through the announce table right in front of her and have right. her go and, like, tend to her. I'm like, what's, where is this? Why have you suddenly decided to use this as an angle as he's leaving? I think that might be the best thing Lashley's ever done, by the way. <laughs> Certainly in this run. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, just having... There was still a feeling of, well, maybe he's not actually leaving them. Maybe this has all been a work. And he wasn't part of Mania as a bit of a slap on the wrist for, for the nonsense. But maybe he is now staying. But actually, after the event in the dark match, we got no dark match. Seth Rollins uh, kind of putting over the crowd for the ending of the event and saying, yeah, I'd be pissed off too and stuff. I like how wrestlers swear once they're off TV. Yeah. We got a, an S-bomb from Roman Reigns as well. But he invited Roman Reigns out saying, you know, he's my brother, he's just beat cancer. Let's get him out and celebrate the fact that he's had a match. And then we'll get Dean out for a farewell. Now, if you go to at Pro Wrestle Show on Twitter, you can see Seth bringing Dean out, which got a big emotional uh, pop. And then you can see Dean's final promo on there as well. Uh, like It was very heartfelt though, wasn't it? Ooh. Like it, it felt almost like... Um... Like kind of out of character, and it just felt like it was the three guys who are close friends who have been through the the ups and the downs of the business over a number of years, just really talking to the crowd and just saying, "Look, thanks very much for all you've done, or for all you've supported us over the years." And I think they, were, the, the the other two members of the Shield, probably feel a little bit like it's you know one of their brothers is sort of leaving them for a while and or for good or whatever. Who knows how long Dean will be gone for? 
and um, I think they're quite quite sad about it. <laughs> I think they genuinely are, they do feel sort of quite sentimental about the whole thing. I'm um I yeah I'm not a big Dean Ambrose guy. We've talked about this plenty of times before. He's not one of my favourites. I like uh, I, that Stone Cold podcast. The way he ran as champ, I I think he would end up being the 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 least enjoyable of the three members of the Shield post Shield. Which when you saw his work pre uh, WWE, I mean he wasn't as clean as a worker, but he's promo work, etc., was really good. So I think it's a little disappointing with where his run went. I don't know where he goes now, because I think if they knew he was going to AEW, there's no way he'd get the send-off he got last night on Raw. There's no way they'd have made a big deal of it. He'd have just been written off television. So I am intrigued to see where he ends up next, old Jonathan David Good. Um, but uh, all in all, I was fine with it. It was, you know, the shield, nice and emotional, really good from those guys. And like you say, just being themselves, being human. I think Ambrose now is a good opportunity for him to take stock of where he's at because I think he's one of these that's maybe suffered a little bit. It's not quite CM Punk territory because he's not the worker that CM Punk was, but what I think what it, what it is for Dean Ambrose is never really felt quite like he fits into the corporate machine of the WWE. Bit of a free spirit. You guys have got that idea from his personality, the way that he is um, uh, off the uh, off TV. He's very sort of brash. He's quite confident. He likes to be a bit of a maverick type figure. And I feel like now is a good chance for him to almost do like what Cody Rhodes did, find himself a, a really good spot and maybe in the independent scene, um, build his profile up again. He can be himself a bit more. He can probably be himself a bit more in promos as well and maybe completely refine that character that has sort of been a little bit diluted over the last couple of years in WWE because I think that's where he's at his, his strongest is when he's really 100% committed to his, um, his character. Smackdown tonight, um, we see all of the fallout from... Uh, Mania, what's going to happen with Joe, what's going to happen with the Iconics. Apparently we're getting a, a SmackDown title match between the Hardy Boys and, uh, of course, the Usos. Uh, what happens with Becky? Now she's both brands champion. Uh, and are we going to get any other call-ups? Are we going to get any other NXT stars appearing? So I think later in the week I'm going to push John and Al to do this. And so if I put it on the podcast, they kind of have to do it. You can do it as well. You're going home on Wednesday night. Maybe a podcast towards the end of the week reflecting on SmackDown and previewing the... Um, the uh, the old superstar shakeup, what we'd like to see. Or maybe we'll just do an article on the TalkSport website about it instead at talksport.com forward slash WWE. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We're off to go and enjoy uh, the Ghostbuster Fire Station, the High Line, and go to a musical because that's the kind of guys we are. We are. We're also, we also have a very important job to do, don't we? Which is that you need to go and buy a replacement part, plant pot, which likes to tell us what you want to Yeah, I smashed a plant pot in the, uh, in the Airbnb. I'm a clown. I lay on the table. It tilted, it went everywhere, it was a disgrace. So we've got to go do that. It was gimmicked. It was, it was clearly gimmicked. <laughs> That's what I'm blaming on. I'm 100% blaming on that. Right, thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, at Pro Wrestle Show on Twitter and Instagram, talksport.com forward slash WWE for the latest writing stuff there. Uh, and yeah, just push it out there in the world. If you enjoy the show, tweet about it, review it, rate it, let people know, and maybe we'll get more and more listeners and more and more pop. So thank you so much for listening. This has been the Pro Wrestling Show.